hey, good morning, everyone. It is Sunday, June the 6th, 2021. Welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School. I'm Melvin Gaines, Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, Akron, Ohio. We're here to get started with Sunday School. We're going to allow for people to jump on with us as we uh, get further into the lesson today. Um, first, we're going to play a musical selection. Uh, thank you again, Arlen, for what you do uh, as far as music is concerned. Uh, Jesus Promised by the Chicago Mass Choir. So we'll go ahead and play that for you. And as we get on, we just want to say hello to you and just say good morning and praise the Lord. Amen. Good morning, Roscoe. Time for Sunday school. Good morning. Morning, Arlen. Thanks again. Our Pacific timers are with us today. That's for sure. Sunday school.
Amen, everybody. Good morning, good morning. God tells us not to worry, not to stay in worry. Live for the day. Worry about tomorrow when it gets here. Hey, Miss Laura. I can't see everybody's names today for some reason. Hey, Angie. see some names and, and my bride can see some names and strange. The Starkses are here. Thumbs up. Good morning. Time for Sunday school. Chicago Mass Choir, Jesus Promised. Uh, the lead vocal was Peter Gray Jr., and I guess they did that in Atlanta. That's when the, some sort of Atlanta project, so they were a traveling choir. Amen. Uh, thank you again for the musical selection by the praise team. Much appreciated, very much. It really sets a great tone for the uh, Sunday school and sets the tone for the day. It's a good way to start the day. Amen. That's uh, Started off with good music to get you in the mood to really want to sit and quietly listen to the Lord and just give him praise for all that he's doing in our lives. I mean, we know that we're in a different phase right now. We're in a different stage. Uh, uh, hopefully where we're looking at uh, nice sunny weather. It's warmer. It's better than it was the beginning of Memorial Day weekend. That's for sure. Um, but we also want to remember too that uh, June 6th uh, happens to be the anniversary day for D-Day. So for those of us who are meeting any veterans or we see veterans out today, please make sure to, uh, especially the World War II veterans, uh, please make sure to extend your thanks to them for what they have done and their service for this country uh, because it is, an, it is a pretty solemn day. It's a pretty important day. We want to remember it in that aspect as well, too. Um, please note that there is a message online that will be following Sunday School. Uh, Pastor Gus's message for today, Understanding the Covenant, is the title of the message. Uh, he's beginning a new series of the different covenants that God has made with uh, his people. And he is going to start with that this week, this Sunday. Uh, there will be, of course, a live message in church today. But if you are not able to come to church for whatever reason, or if you're not in the area, in the Akron area, you can watch that message online. Uh, immediately following Sunday school in the timeline for Akron Alliance 
uh, fellowship on the on the fellowship uh, Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. The church today we will be indoors today due to the heat. Uh, we want to make sure that we everyone is comfortable, and we want to make sure our pastor is comfortable as well too, because that's uh, he needs to be able to uh, have. Uh, a little bit more moderate temperatures than if it gets really warm outside. And today is expected to get up to, uh, not maybe not during church time, but up to, up to the upper 80s and low 90s uh, is the temperature today. So please uh, make a note of that. Dress accordingly. It will be inside today. Uh, for those of you who are coming to church, um, make a note that we, I believe we're still doing temperature checks and we're still doing the, uh, we did it last week. Um, so we'll have to see if that changes in policy. Uh, but for right now, we're doing the temperature checks, and we're also uh, saying if you want to wear a mask, you can. Uh, we we haven't necessarily changed the signage on the on the front door saying that it's required. So, but it's not uh, not mandatory. Just keep that in mind. It's the level. It's your level of comfort that's most important. So that's what we want to make sure that you're recognizing when you come to church. We will be indoors today. Um, we will be doing a live Bible study later this week on Wednesday, just uh, as a heads up for that, since it's the second Wednesday of the month coming up. So stay tuned for information on that as we post on that. And I believe I've covered all of the necessary business for the church today. Um, just remember to continue to pray for uh, members of the church that uh, are still kind of recovering, still dealing with uh, aches and pains and stuff like that, more than just aches and pains, just really... Uh, serious stuff that needs to be kind of prayed over and just uh, let the Lord do the healing. Uh, amen. That's really important for us to remember just to pray for our church members. Good morning, Jackie. Uh, and good morning, Cindy. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, love having you guys. And we are going to go ahead and get started with Sunday School. And we've got some interesting material to close out the book of Titus just to, to make sure that we're covering everything. The... Um, the book of Titus, chapter 3, verses 9 through 15 is what we'll be covering. We want everyone to just continue to focus on the Lord and let the Lord speak to you as we go through this material because a lot of it's going to have some application for today, um, especially as we continue our studies. We continue um, getting more and more into the Word and studying the Word on a daily basis, which is what we really are called to do. We need to make sure that we're always focusing on what the Word is. And uh, there's, um, it's a challenge for believers to stand behind the Word and stand on the Word of God. That's something that we always need to be doing and make sure that when we face uh, opposition, not necessarily opposition because of somebody attacking us, but when we face opposition when it comes to the Word, that we make sure that it's steering the person back to a place where they are truly understanding God's Word and not trying to fashion or put something into it that's not there based upon their own uh, feelings or beliefs or whatever it is. And that's going to be a challenge for a lot of believers today, especially if you're just not that trained up in the Word. And so all believers need to be prepared for these types of conversations, whether they come to you or not, but that's really our responsibility to do that especially if you have faith and trust in the Word and, and you are always reminded about God's goodness and what He has done for you. So with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and start with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside for us, Lord. We ask that you just now quiet our, our minds 
Help us to just be able to hear what you're saying to us through the power of the word, through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in just speaking to us, giving us what we need, giving us information that will help us to truly be focused on what you're having to say to us. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We are always reminded no matter how we gather, whether more than two are gathered, you are present, and we are gathering right now. Even in this medium, we just thank you for your presence. We pray, Lord, that you'll just bless us now. Help us along day by day, not getting ahead of ourselves, but staying right where you would have us to be and remaining obedient to you, focused on you, and trusting in you. And we just give you all the praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everyone, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Titus chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 9 through 15. 9 through 15 of Titus chapter 3. And this is a very interesting section in that just to follow up where we were speaking about earlier in chapter 3 about making sure that we are always ready to do what's good and when we have conversations with people and always ready to uh, live lives that are exemplary, we want to make sure that people can see these things in us because it's very important to do so. And we're reminded about where we were before we became believers and where we are today. And I pray and I trust that where we were before is way, way off in the distance compared to where we are today. Um, that's the most, <laughs> the, amen, thumbs up, <laughs> amen, thumbs up to that. Um, my bride is just off to my left, but she can still reach around and give a thumbs up, amen to that. And we all, listen, we all need to always kind of say amen and praise God for where we are today compared to where we were before, uh, because we frankly were in a, in a state of lostness, lostness, I have to say it that way. And now we are at a place where we recognize that God has promised us that he has a place for us. But in the meantime, until such time as we get to that point, we want to also make sure that we are looking at um, how we live as believers and how we deal with individuals who are going to be in our midst who, I don't know, maybe it's because they're being clever. I don't want to get ahead of, ahead of what I'm talking about here, but we need to make sure that we're avoiding discussions where we're having debates over nothing. Um, I guess that's the best way to put it. So let's let's do this. Let's go through the passage, Titus chapter 3, verses 9 through 15, which will close out Titus, by the way, and it will uh, move us, and we'll have a really good, good uh, study for the next couple of weeks, too, uh, when we get into Philemon, which I want to make sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, which is a, a one-chapter book, but it's a great, it's great material. Well, let's start with verse 9. In Titus chapter 3, starting in 9, a New Living Translation. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth, and their own sins condemn them. I am planning to send either Artemis or Tychicus to you. As soon as one of them arrives, do your best to meet me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to stay there for the winter. 
Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos with their trip. See that they are given everything they need. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. Verse 15, everybody here sends greetings. Please give my greetings to the believers, all who love us. May God's grace be with you all. Okay, Titus 3, verses 9 through 15. Now, that was a very short, short passage, but if you really get down into this thing, it has a lot of meat to it, especially in the first few verses we've read, verses 9, 10, 11. Uh, those are the ones that are going to be a lot of our focus today. So let's start, and I know that there might be some connectivity issues. We'll just keep hanging in there, everybody. We love having you. Um, first of all, uh, starting with verse 9, let's go back to that again, Titus 3, 9. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels or in fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. Do you see what uh, Paul is saying here to Titus? He's giving us information that's helpful for us when we look at issues that are coming up in church. There is a lot of stuff out there that can distract you when it comes to the word. You've got to be really careful about that. And ultimately, what Paul was warning Titus to do here, and in the same way that he warned Timothy, by the way, this is, this is very similar to what he was telling Timothy. Not to get involved in foolish and unprofitable arguments. We'll take a look at that, too. Uh, hold your place and where you're at. And go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. This is a reminder. Um, it was Paul's, I think Paul took it upon himself and made it his responsibility to make sure that as he was instructing Timothy and Titus in these passages to make sure that you don't go on rabbit trails with people when it comes right down to it. These are things that are not going to be beneficial. Yes, Jackie, it's always coffee time. Uh, <laughs> but, but keep that in mind. I uh, have to keep the, keep the voice uh, moving well here. 2 Timothy 2.14 Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. You see what this is? You have to understand that those who are in your midst, for example, who may be hearing your conversation, um, we need to make sure that we're always steering back in the direction of where the truth is being given and we're not getting into fairy tales and myths and things like that. And we'll talk about that more later as we go on. Now, we need to also keep in mind that there may be genuine questions that come up uh, from a person who really doesn't understand or maybe they're acting on information they've had before. Uh, maybe they have a different experience in speaking to somebody else about a passage. And, you know, we don't refuse to study. We don't refuse to discuss these things with people. We, we want to make sure that we, there is a line that's not crossed, though, when we do it. We want to make sure that we're still taking the time to examine those passages that are difficult. There may be tr difficulty in making interpretations of a passage. And that's exactly why we get into looking at commentaries. Uh, Brother Beecher did that, does that, and still does that. And you should do it too. As well as looking at even what the meaning of the original Greek and Hebrew is in, in passages. Because sometimes the English language gets diverted a little bit when it comes to what the original intent was. Not, uh, not in, a, in, a, in a, a really weird way or, or out of the out of pocket way but just in ways that 
we want to get back to the original intent of the passage. That's always what we need to do. And, you know, I, honestly, there are a lot of churches that are guilty of not doing that. We, we need to make sure that all churches are doing that, all people are doing that, and that's why we still have to be the Bereans. We have to be the ones that get into the Word, Acts 17, 11, and do our own studies because sometimes people make mistakes and they don't get it right, and we want to make sure that we do get it right. But God has to deal with you as an individual and speak through the Holy Spirit to give you what you need to understand what's happening. So when we engage other people, we are... Paul is warning Titus and warned Timothy, too, about petty quarrels. Um, and it's okay to have good, honest discussion that leads to wisdom for everybody who's listening, for, for you, for the other person involved, too, and maybe even the bystanders as well. If foolish arguments develop, and this is something that you're going to have to pray to the Holy Spirit about, too, as it happens... If the Spirit's telling you this isn't right, this is not going in the right direction, then you may have to divert. You may have to turn the discussion back to a place where it's helpful. Uh, go to a place where you're talking about something maybe different. Just stop talking about it altogether. Or if that doesn't work, politely excuse yourself. Now, I, I got to tell you that sometimes you may have to excuse yourself. You may have to just say, uh, I don't think this is going anywhere because I think we're on two different pages and... We're not going to argue about any of this. We're not going to get into a discussion about it. I think it's really important for you to go back and pray about the passage and seek God's truth in this. Because ultimately, what it comes down to is that th what you're talking about may have nothing to do with salvation. And I, I think that that's what it comes down to, too. When it gets right down to it, uh, we're talking about Jesus Christ. All the bi Bibles of the book talk about Christ in one way, shape, or form or another. And if you're not talking about salvation, if you're not talking about souls being saved ultimately, if you're not talking about knowledge of the truth where you're really gaining and growing and where the you're being sanctified by the presence of the Spirit, if you're arguing about stuff that's meaningless, then something's not right. You don't need to engage in that. You need to get out of that. Or refer that person, if you, if, you, if it helps you to, a pastor or another teacher or someone else that, um, and just let them deal with those things too because we have to understand that uh it's not our job to argue with anybody we are not going to argue i won't argue with anyone uh, about what the word says we we um we recognize that ultimately people are going to do what they do okay um we're we're all in the flesh we all have fleshliness i have seen personally many people uh behave very fleshly in sunday school class when it comes to understanding the word and interpretation, I will not mention any names. I don't think that's appropriate, but I will say that, unfortunately, that has happened, and it probably happens in every Sunday school class that ever existed. And we ultimately have to make a decision and say this is not helpful to the people who are in the class. It's not helpful for the people who are listening. It's just going down rabbit trails over and over again. Uh, that's not helpful. We want to make sure that we're always focused on allowing the Spirit to speak and learning. And that's what we want to do. Now, that's a, that's a way of leading into this next section about the things being useless and a waste of time. And, and they're looking at you know the old Jewish laws here. That's what was being referred to here in the passage uh, that Titus is referencing. Remember what we're talking about when we're talking about Titus's audience, Titus's audience was a uh, the, on the island of Crete, and they were all over the place. They were uh, uh, involved with pagan worship. They were involved in all kinds of different 
uh, myths and fairy tales, and it was just uh, an ongoing issue with that church. And so Titus really had to rein that in and deal with that and make sure that it was being taken care of. But we need to understand, too, that when I talk about fleshliness, fleshliness involves people who really believe and really think, and maybe maybe Satan's convinced them of this, um, just being... I'm, choosing my words very carefully here um, but they are basing these things basically make themselves look more important and make themselves look like they have an edge or an upper hand on the knowledge of God remember understanding a lot that was a big deal back then and it is today too where a lot of people want to look like they have the inside uh, track that's exactly right inside track on the knowledge of God and honestly um, that is more fleshly than it is spiritual in nature to have that attitude because if we're really thinking about this and this goes all the way from everybody who's been has PhDs and master's degrees and bachelor's degrees when it comes to studying Christian in, in Christian studies we all are still learning we are not in any way shape or form we don't have it all together we're still learning about these things because we're in the flesh and because we we sin every day. We do stuff we shouldn't be doing. We know we do. And so how can you possibly feel like you have an upper edge on something when you know that you are, in many cases, many of us need just to get on our knees and just uh, thank the Lord for what he's done for us and ask for forgiveness. Uh, that's, that's my take on it. We don't have it all together. We're still learning. But that applies to all of us. But the false teachers, they're the ones that are showing themselves to be special or different or think they have the upper hand frankly to get an audience and understand that let's take a look let's just go to first timothy chapter one i want to take a look at what it says here because again a lot of what's being said here to titus was also said to timothy and so this is now in the first letter to timothy uh it says as i urged you when i was going to macedonia uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Sorry about that. 1 Timothy 1, verse 3. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. So, what is he telling Timothy here? Charge persons not to teach any different doctrine. Stay focused on the doctrine that got you where you are, where you truly know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And stay away from these myths, endless genealogies, things that don't really have anything to do with what's relevant today. And what's relevant today is that Christ died for our sins. And we need to trust in him in order to have eternal life. And you have to understand that my prayer is that there are a lot of people who we know, uh, frankly, who we need to pray for them that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and not get twisted upside down, backwards, sideways with uh, things that really don't have anything to do with salvation. I think that that's what comes down to what it comes down to as believers. We need to always steer people back in that direction. And this is all about doing what is good, isn't it? I mean, this is what uh, is necessary sometimes. Sometimes doing what is good means repelling those who want to perpetuate evil. 
and stay focused on that and make sure that they're aware of that. And we'll, we'll go back into what Paul said as we get further down uh, in the passage here. So, in the same way that methods were used by the false teachers in Ephesus, the false teachers in Colossus, they were building their cases on genealogies of angels. Wow, you know, we're talking about the angels and, and genealogies there. Now, understand something. That is, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. And so that's just a, a diversion. Do angels exist? Absolutely. Do, do angels help people from one time to another? Yes. Do we even know sometimes who these people are? No. We don't have any idea. Those are things we know about angels. We know that they do exist. We know that they're there. But why are we getting into genealogies? Why would you get into that? Why is that even important when it's Jesus Christ who was a human being, who came to earth as a human being, died on the cross as a human being, the angels were marveling at what God was doing for the people. So they are helpers, and that is all they are, and that is what we need to leave that, we need to leave that there. False teachers, all they want to do is get people wrapped up in what they're saying because the words are clever, but they just get you into foolish discussions. Don't allow that to happen. You, you must always resist those types of things. And sometimes we just need to make sure that we just don't give a whole lot of attention to their points of view. We just need to just move on from that. So stay focused on what the word says. We don't need to, because basically that's adding to the word. When you're talking about genealogies of angels, there's nothing in the word about that. There's no mention of that, and there's no reference to it. So why would you add to the word? And we know if you go into the book of Revelation, there's a very, very stiff penalty for those individuals who decide to add to the word or take away from the words. So we have to be careful even as how uh, I present the word, how Gus presents the word. Anybody who's a teacher, they, we have a pretty huge responsibility to make sure that we are very contextual in nature and always go to context. That's always the most important thing. And we need to go to context based upon the word as it was written and presented back at the time when it was put to paper, but it doesn't mean pen was put to paper, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't have application today. So we need to always make sure that we're avoiding controversy. And, you know, a lot of people just love controversy. It's the same thing as people who love drama. Uh, if you love drama, you love controversy. You love to, to get involved in stuff. You like to get into it with people because it just, maybe it just gets your blood pumping. I don't really know. I, I have no idea. I don't care to really know uh, honestly it's just important for us to avoid those types of conversations let's go back to verse 10 amen thank you <laughs> let's go back to verse 10 in titus chapter 3 if people are causing divisions among you this is paul speaking to titus give a first and second warning after that have nothing more to do with them so what that really means is is that, and, and we kind of have to do the same thing. Like I said, we're always ready to be open for a person who sincerely wants to learn the word and be ready to teach them and give them guidance based upon our knowledge. Now, here's the thing. If we're doing it based upon our knowledge, guess what we have to be? we got to be prepared. Um, I'll never forget my boss. This was a few years back. He actually called me a Boy Scout. And he didn't mean that in, in any other way than the fact that, you know, I'm supposed my behavior was good and and but I always think about what the motto is for the Boy Scouts be prepared be prepared because you may be called upon you'll maybe people may be asking you questions but if you are not really that 
firm or strong in the word, you're not going to be able to address those concerns. And even if you can't, and that's fine, but we need to be prepared. Our preparation comes from our study, our personal study. Uh, We need much more than just going to Sunday school and going to uh, church and listening to sermons. And then we must be opening the Bible on our own as well, too. Those three things are certainly um, very important. But the most important thing of all of those three is your personal study. Your personal study has to carry the day. It has to carry you through so that you can indeed be prepared to have conversations and communications with other people. Um, Let's go ahead and read verse 11, too, in Titus 3. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. You see what what Paul is saying here? If you can't, you warn them once, you warn them twice to get their act together, and three strikes, you're out. Um, That's the way I take that. If you get your third strike, you're out. Don't have anything else to do with those people because, and and Paul is putting it very nicely here, he's saying it very, very, uh, very truthfully, They've decided to turn away from the truth. They know what the word says, and they know what the truth is. But if you've got people who are causing divisions, if they're causing strife, if they're doing nothing but upsetting other people, you do not want to have anything to do with them. Um, you ju- you're just as well to get them out of your midst. And that's for the good of your church. That is for the good of the church. We, we very seldom talk about Uh, having people removed from a church or removed from a fellowship. But if that person or persons is causing division, uh, look, I'm not the pastor, so I'm just going to tell it like it is. So it's one of those things there. The pastor pastor will probably take the same approach as well, too, if things get really bad. But if it's obvious that a person is not not interested, you need to get them out of the church. And I'm just going to say it. If, if, they're, if they got the three-strike rule is in effect, right? If you've done everything you can do, you've had the conversations with them, you've talked to them, you've tried to make corrections with them, and they hit that third strike, then they need to probably just say, well, maybe you need to go to another fellowship. Maybe there's another place you need to go, that type of thing. And I think that that's ultimately, if you're a believer who stands on the Word and you believe that the Word is true, you do not want anyone to come in to your fellowship and affect those that are near and dear to you, frankly, in such a way where it's causing the church to get ripped apart. I mean, that's where church splits sometimes happen. It, that does happen that way. We don't like talking about that. But we also know that sometimes there's addition by subtraction. And that's a very tough thing to say sometimes. And we don't like to dwell on that because it's not it's usually not viewed in a positive manner. But ultimately what it comes down to is that if that person is dividing your church and destroying your church, that's Satan working in, in our your midst. You do not want to allow that to happen. You have to make sure that you're doing whatever you can to protect the church and protect the word. If you're teaching the truth, if you're doing what you should be doing, you stand on the word and stand on your faith and do what's necessary. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to Titus, yes. No, he's going to say anybody can be argumentative. Yes. It takes two people to argue. True. That's a good point. Anyone can be argumentative, but it does take two people to argue. That's exactly right. 
that that's my bride made that point, and she's exactly right. That's why I was saying earlier, don't argue with people. Don't get into a conflict with someone. There's no need for you to do that. You have the power to shut it yeah, down. Yeah, you can take care of that. You can shut it down. You can deal, do what you need to do to make sure that you're not perpetuating arguments. Don't argue with somebody about God's truth. Just give the facts, speak the truth, and move on from there. And if someone wants to argue with you, you just walk away from them because you're not going to argue about it. That You have to understand, Satan is very clever. And Satan will try to push some hot buttons in people to make you say or do some things that are out of character. Uh, I think that is something that I've observed. I guess I'm, I've been around the block now a few times, you know, you do this for a little while. If you do, if you do something for about 30 years, you, you've been around the block for a few times now, and you kind of know when someone's trying to push your hot buttons and trying to get a rise out of you. And, and so we need to make sure that we are not reacting in such a way. <laughs> we are not reacting in such a way where we are uh, arguing with anybody. I'm not going to argue with anybody. I, I don't need to argue. Um, and just move on. You just move on and go to the next thing. And look at what Paul is saying again back in verse 11 of Titus 3. People that have turned away from the truth, these people, after you give them that first and second warning, they've turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them, which means they, they're sinning and perhaps even willfully sinning. Uh, you know, sometimes sin, it, it, you know, Satan is so clever that you, you can have somebody sinning, they don't even always realize it. But the bottom line is that it is still sin. It still is something that shouldn't be done. Now, I do want to point out, after I talked about, you know, a person should be, you know, anybody who's threatening the unity of the church, we don't need to be heavy-handed. We don't need to be, we don't need to do anything but give a warning to correct uh, that person's behavior. We want to make sure of that. But if they refuse to be corrected, you put them outside the fellowship. Um, it may be as simple as saying, well, you know what, maybe you can't come to church now for the next month or so until you sort this out and figure it out and and you know i those are things that you have to obviously take those things on a case-by-case basis if it ever happens but that person as paul is saying is self-condemning themselves they're in sin you don't want to welcome that behavior in a church you don't want to welcome that behavior in a fellowship especially especially if that person has influence if that person uh, is trying to make friends amongst the congregation if that person uh, is basically just causing a ruckus. And that that just is very destructive. It's very, very destructive. We need to make sure that we're always addressing those things. We can't be wimps about standing up for Christ. We have to stand, and we can't be wimpy about it. We can't be in any way you know, convalescing or, or doing anything like that. We want to make sure that we're always standing on the word and make sure that that person is aware of their sin because that's what we're responsible for doing. But we don't, we don't, we're not brash about it. We're kind about it. We're gentle about it. Um, and, of course, there's different ways of handling those problems in the church. They're referenced in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 18. But let's take a look at 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 14 and 15. What was the first uh, it was Matthew 18, verses 15 through 18 was the first reference. But we're going to read 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 14 and 15. So 
we need to make sure that we are addressing these issues. And again, I'm just going to repeat this one more time. Um, it's not comfortable doing this stuff. There's nothing comfortable about it. But you should be comforted that you're standing on the word of God. Be prepared. Be ready. It's Whenever you're talking with someone about making sure that they're not doing this thing, and, and, and I, I know Pastor Gus would agree with this, before you have a meeting with somebody, you pray about it. Oh, my goodness, you pray about it. You give everything to the Lord and ask him to make sure to take any planks you've got in your eye, um, um, that type of thing, so that you can make sure that you're dealing with the issues at hand. And it doesn't mean that because you've had a tough time that you can't have that conversation, but you're still standing on the God's word. You're standing on the spirit. You're standing on what is, is being spoken to you by the word. Uh, if you've asked God for forgiveness, he forgives you. There's nothing for you to wallow about or get into a discussion about. If you repent from your sin, you turn from your sin, uh, God will forgive you of that. Uh, and then you stay in prayer all up until the time when you're having that conversation with someone else. That is what is really important for us as believers to do. God wants us to have fellowship with him. He desires for every believer to have fellowship with him and do so in such a way where we're doing it, where we're taking care of the church. The church is the most important thing. The bride of Christ must be handled in such a way where we're doing these things. And it's not always the pastor's responsibility. Sometimes it's the elders. Sometimes it's other people in the church who have the ability to speak. And we all need to be prepared to speak. Let's look at what it says in 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 14 and 15. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person, have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. In other words, don't treat him like your mortal enemy. That's not necessary. Satan is your mortal enemy. Uh, that, that is who we have to always treat as the enemy. We, we have to understand that sometimes people do things and they don't even realize that they're being controlled by Satan. We have to still treat that person like a brother or a sister. You give them the benefit of the doubt. That's exactly right. But, you know, their behavior has to turn around. If their behavior doesn't turn around, if, if things aren't happening where they are behaving in such a way where they truly are repentant and want to learn and study more. But this is how you handle the problems in the church. Now, it's really interesting. You'll notice that we've sp spoken in... 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and now in Titus, and in other books as well, too, in Ephesians and Colossians about all the problems in the church and all these things that have been taking place because of what? False teaching, false prophecy, um, needless, endless arguments over genealogies, as is mentioned right here in Titus. Just the constant uh, diversions. These are all tactics of Satan to divide the people in the church. If you recognize it for what it is, then you're going to be able to handle it in such a way where you're doing what's necessary to address these issues, but doing it in a way where you stand on the word of God and do so with conviction. Now, if you can't stand on the word of God and do it with conviction, now we have another issue. And the other issue means preparation. God is going to teach you as much as you want to be taught. God is going to give you instruction in this area as much as you want to be instructed. So you really have to dive into the Word every day and pray and meditate when you read the Word for God to speak to you about the Word that you just read and allow the Spirit to speak and give you wisdom 
and knowledge about what's being said. And you do it every day. It's not just a one-day proposition. You have to do it every day. And as you do it, and as you get better at it, and as you get more and more into the Word and what the God is teaching you, you will be better prepared to stand on the Word of God before someone else who comes with some sort of a conflict. And sometimes the best way to do something like this is to say, can you show me in Scripture exactly what you're referring to? Because if it's not in Scripture, then I really can't address that um, with you. And I think that that usually might be the best way to go about it sometimes. Um, And they may show you some passage in Scripture, but now you'll have to come back and say, if you've been reading and studying, you'll say, well, what's the context of that passage? Is the context of that passage in line with aligned with what you are trying to present and if it's not then that is where your knowledge and wisdom and understanding that you've had prayed about that you've gone over with with the lord you studied about you say well i believe the passage is saying something totally different i believe the passage is referring to this particular thing and if you have to get into the commentary or get into the discussion about what it's saying here for greater understanding then do that but the bottom line is that you always want to take the attitude that you're prepared And when it comes to matters like this, if you're not comfortable with it, then you pray about it with the Lord. But if you're still not comfortable with it, get somebody else involved to help. These are things that we all have avenues to address when it comes right down to it. But you're doing it to protect the church. You're doing it to protect the people of the church. You're doing it to protect those individuals who are, frankly, being controlled by Satan, who want to divide a church. Satan wants to divide and destroy churches. We've seen that. We know about it. We've heard about it. We've read about it. We know that that has happened. We're not happy about it. We're not proud of it. We don't ever want to see that happen, but we ultimately need to make sure that Christ is the one who prevails in these situations. Christ is the one that uh, must be followed, must be looked into. Okay. So I think that's a very important lesson here. Now, The last part of the passage of Titus, just for clarity, we don't need to spend a lot of time with this, but um, just references here, just for the purpose of study, when in verse 12 he says, I'm planning, back to Titus 3 verse 12, I'm planning to send either Artemis or Tychicus to you. As soon as one of them arrives, do your best to meet me at Nicopolis, for I've decided to stay there for the winter. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos with their trip. See that they are given everything they need. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. Now, I'm going to summarize these two passages really quick. I'll explain who these other people are. But the summary of this is that Paul is getting Titus and making Titus aware of people coming to help him and also what his plans are for the winter when he travels as well, too. But ultimately what it comes down to is that he is telling Titus and urging Titus to make sure that people learn to do good by meeting the needs of others. In other words, charity. This is the thing that is being emphasized. Believers must act with charity in today's world. We must be generous. And it's not just about always giving something, but about saying kind words, being the light in the world before others is what really is being said here. They must learn this because it is something that they have to do. It is a way of being productive in the body of Christ. It is a way of conveying the message of Christ in your actions, in your behaviors, in your attitudes. This is what is productive. It's productive in the body of Christ. It's productive outside of the body of Christ. 
for those who don't know the Lord. We need to be productive in those manners. We need to be charitable. Kind words. Smile. You know, we've taken our masks off now. Many of us have. Smile. And even if you don't have, you have your mask, you still have your mask on. Guess what? Smile with your eyes. People can see them. You'd be surprised what people pick up on when they look at your facial expressions and gestures. It may not be the smile that comes across, but it may be right in your eyes. It may be something that you need to just keep doing. So let's keep that in mind. Now, Nicopolis, just for the sake of reference here, was on the western coast of Greece, and Artemis and Tychicus would take over Titus's work on the island of Crete so that Titus could meet Paul in Nicopolis. So these are people who are just going to be filling in uh, for Titus when he travels. And these are, Tychicus was one, another one of Paul's trusted companions. It was mentioned, he was mentioned in Acts, he was mentioned in Ephesians, he was mentioned in Colossians. These people are making the rounds because they're helping in different areas and and that's what uh, Paul had chosen them to do and they were very faithful. So, and you have to understand too, when you're traveling in the wintertime, it's not a picnic. So that's that was the whole purpose of that conversation. But we want to make sure though that the instruction was taking place with the people that they remain charitable, that they are doing what's necessary to look after and take care of other people and teaching this to others to do the same thing. That's what's happening here. And Apollos was a famous Christian preacher. I remember Apollos. He was the one who was actually trained by Aquila and Priscilla in the same way that Timothy was. Uh, that's very important for us to remember as well, too, when we look at the, this, this passage. That's referenced in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28, and 1 Corinthians 1, 12. So when we summarize this passage, and it kind of summarizes um, the letters that Paul wrote in ministry, Verse 15, everybody here sends greetings. Please give my greetings to the believers, all who love us. May God's grace be with you all. Um, the letters that Paul wrote to Titus and Timothy are the last writings, according to history, uh, that he wrote. And that would mark the end of his life and his ministry. Um, the letters are great because they give us wonderful information. What do, what do these letters do? They give us information about church leadership. What are our church leaders supposed to be doing? Who are we putting in these positions of leadership? Uh, are we making sure that they're properly vetted? Are they the people who are, are doing, are they living according to having hearts for God? Are they living in such a way where uh, they bring honor to the Lord Jesus Christ? So that's what these letters have done. They provide a model for elders. They provide a model for pastors and for other Christian leaders. And what are we doing with, these, with these, this leadership? This leadership, I'll say it too fast, we are making sure that we're vetting and, and training young leaders. We're bringing up young people in the same way, training them to be like those who had trained them to make sure that they're carrying on the work. That's the whole point of this. We must get out people out of a church who are tearing up a church. We must bring in people who are have a love for the Lord, have a heart for God, and continue to seek after him. And these are the people you want in the midst of a church who sincerely love everyone, no matter how old they are, no matter what they're doing. In other words, we don't want people playing favorites in the church. God doesn't play favorites. He wants all people, young and old, to be uh, coming up in the Lord and making sure that they're learning and continue to, continuing to learn in such a way where they're growing in Christ. That's what has to happen. So he wants young leaders to have this as well, too. And because... Paul is kind of passing the torch. He's passing the torch along. 
He passed the torch to Timothy and Titus, and he wants them to do the same thing and make sure that we're looking at the principles that are being established here in these letters in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, making sure that we're looking after uh, the people in the church and taking care of them. That's what's most important for us to see here. That's what's most important for us to recognize here. Now, I hope in any way, in no way, shape, or form that anything I've said is controversial. Because if you've got somebody who is uh, downright divisive uh, in a church, you, they don't need to be in our church. Uh, we need people who are like-minded when it comes to ex- knowing Christ. So they may not, we may not agree on everything. We may not agree on every fact, facet of the word. That's not the issue. The issue is that we're still like-minded. We're still looking and getting the truth as we seek our own prayers through the Holy Spirit. He has to teach us individually. He teaches us as a church, but he teaches us individually. And there are people who need to continue to learn the word and, and just trust that what they're learning is the truth. We don't get off onto rabbit trails. We don't get off into areas that are divisive for the church. That's what we need to always keep in mind here as we look to God and look to his truth. I pray that this information is being accepted in the best possible light, that you recognize the importance of your preparation, your study, your time in the Lord. It must be time well spent every day. We don't ever want to neglect uh, when God is trying to teach us about something because he may be very well preparing us for a moment when there is a crisis moment where we have to make a decision about what's really truthful and what's really important. He needs people to stand on his word and not get wimpy, wishy-washy. We need people who are strong in their faith and convicted in their faith. That's what we need. No arguments, no need for that. Just stay in the word and stay focused on him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you set aside for us to study your word, hear your truth, hear what you have to say to us. We pray, Lord, that you just bless us right now, that you teach us ways that we can continue to stay focused on your word, stay focused on what you're teaching us and what you're telling us. Lord, we thank you for your very presence today. We thank you for the truth, understanding the truth of your word. And knowing that we have to sometimes take a stand for that word if it means protecting ourselves, our people in the church. Help us to be prepared to do that very thing if we are called upon doing that. We thank you for those lessons. We also pray, Lord, those you also bring people to our church as well that have a heart for you and stand for you as well, too. And we thank you for that as well. Bless us and keep us, O Lord, and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here this morning. We're going to sign off now and make sure that, uh, uh, as a reminder, we're in church today in the, uh, in the building. Uh, please prepare accordingly. We'll see you in Akron in about a half hour or so. Uh, you take care of yourselves, everyone. God bless you. Pastor Gus's message will be online right after I sign off here on Sunday School in the timeline. So look for that for those of you not coming to church today. And it is pre-recorded. God bless you all. You take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next time.